All right, but let's open our Bibles to the book of Acts. Excellently done. You guys have got the post-it notes out. Very nice. So the past two weeks, we've been responding to what was happening in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. And we're still in Acts chapter 2. Last week, after reminding ourselves that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the ability to speak out, the camera backed out and we went down and we we saw the crowd's response to what was happening and and we saw the incredible um, meaning that Pentecost began to have. Uh, We talked about how the language from heaven came with mixed results. So, but... The, the two things that we left off with uh, were that the crowd, having s- uh, seen these events uh, in the upper room, in the upper area where the, where the disciples were, the, they, they, uh, well, they said, what, what does this mean? Or what meaneth this? And then the other part of them, at least we don't know if it was 50-50 or whatever, but at least some others said, oh, they are just sauced. But what we're going to do this week and when we come back after next weekend is we're going to listen to how Peter responds to questions. To, to their, their, Peter's going to correct and he's going to inform. He's going to tell them what this means. Everybody say, what this means. What this means. He's going to tell them what this means because Pentecost means something. He will make, Peter will make extraordinary claims about what all this means. And then he will tell, he will inform that there are, inform us and them that there are profound implications. And he will do so, by the time we get to the end, he will do so with, in, with tremendous results. Now we won't bite off all of it. It's all, there's a whole lot of verses and a whole lot of stuff to unpack. There's kind of three sections in what Peter says. So the first part is what we'll lean into today, and that begins in verse 14, and we'll go through verse 21. So Acts 2, 14 through 21 uh, is where we are today, and I'm going to interrupt the reading of the scripture probably twice. I said probably. But Peter, taking his stand with the other 11, by the way, the, 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 the conjunction there, but Peter follows the, the, the it follows the the phrase. Others said they are drunk, right? So the last thing we've heard is a. This is so good. I got to watch my my enthusiasm meter here. The last thing we've heard is a response to Pentecost that dismisses it. It's a response of derision and dismissal. It's we we might say, oh, they're just. Now, they said they're just drunk. You might fill in any other type of phrase. Oh, they're just, <laughs> Mrs. Deb, they're just crazy. They're just drunk. They're just crazy. They're just excited. Oh, that's just a style. That's just their denomination. Oh, that's their personality. Oh, that's just. So Peter responds to the, oh, they're just. And now, now his response. But Peter, taking his stand with the 11, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judah, and all you who live in Jerusalem, know this and pay attention to my words. These people are not drunk, as you assume, since it is only the third hour of the day. Now, nine, being 9 a.m. doesn't prove that you can't, that doesn't prove you're not drunk, but 
the idea was, first of all, 9 a.m. Was a, was, a, was a prayer hour. It was not a time that would normally be given to the gathering of festivities or evening meals or, you know, that kind of thing. So it, it would be 9 in the morning, it's prayer hour. It's not even, some writers say they didn't even have a major morning meal until 10. In other words, Peter says, come on, guys, you know, it's 9 a.m. That's not what's going on here. But um, I do think it's interesting. And I don't want to over-preach this. There are those in our tradition that perhaps over-emphasize this. But it is interesting to remain aware that the first visual impression of people experiencing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, for those that weren't a part of it to just look at it, they didn't say, oh, they look bored. Think about, just think about the options. Oh, 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 they're bored. Right? The, the paintings that we have from antiquity of the day of Pentecost, people look very, very stoic. We don't see that. Oh, my, how stoic they are up there. To be fair, the, de- the, the depiction was those look like people who have had a little bit of aid in their celebration. Those people look happy. I wonder, does people think that about us? If they wandered in and saw us in church, would they think, boy, these people are really happy. I wonder what's in the juice. (laughs) Again, I don't want to over-preach this. They they weren't weren't running around the upper room with lampshades on their head. (laughs) That I know of. But, but oh, you're right, Barney. Uh, um, he, Azusa Street, uh, he had a box on his head, yeah. Um, uh, but there was something about their overwhelming, joyful response to what was happening that it, they looked like they were quite happy. Happier than they might should have been at 9 in the morning. And I think that we should keep that as an invitation that that's, that's what... That's the result. That's what the, the coming of the Holy Spirit has, the inf- effect he has on us. If we think, well, I'm, I'm quite spiritual because I've maintained my, my, uh, my stoic, stubborn, and grumpy attitude. I'm wondering if anybody would think, oh, they're dead. I wonder if we'd be accused of being Pentecostal. Anyway, that was for free. That was the interruption. Verse 16, Peter says, uh, hey, these guys aren't drunk. It's only nine, but that, so it's not that. This is not that. This is that. Yes. King James says this is that, but the the New American Standard. This is what has been spoken through the prophet Joel. Joel chapter two. Pick it up at verse twenty eight if you want to look at it in your Bibles. The prophet Joel. So this is an Old Testament prophet anticipating the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and Peter says, "Hey, this is what he was talking about." Verse 17, is Peter picks up the, uh, what he says. Verse 17, And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will have dreams, and even on my male and female servants, I will pour out. If you want to have your pen, 
Get out that pour out. 17, I will pour out. Verse 18, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Plural. Okay? And they will prophesy. And I will display wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below. I wonder what kind. Blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. Ah! And the sun will be turned to darkness. Ah! And the moon into blood. Yeah. Ah! We went from party to something else. All of this before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The crowd said, ah, they're drunk. Peter said, no, it's not that. It's that. This is that. What does this mean? What does Pentecost mean? Let's pick it up at verse 16. Peter says, this is what has been spoken through the prophet Joel, that it shall be in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. This is really the, mm, the, 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 the thesis. This is the, the general statement. This is, what panic, this is what just happened. In other words, what was occurring was, first of all, a fulfillment of the promise of God. No, this is, these aren't drunk. This is what God promised to give us. This is a fulfillment of God's promise. God keeps his promises, and this is his promise. And what was occurring was something that signified the last days. It shall be in the last days. For Luke, the coming of the Spirit was the sign of the coming of the age to come. Not that it was still someday in the future, but the coming of the age, the age to come had already begun. We are living in the last days. It's not nothing to do with bombs. It has nothing to do with hornets or fires or germs or things or the United Nations. All of that is stuff. But when did the, we don't, don't you don't have to say, I wonder when the last days are going to begin. They began with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The greatest sign that heaven has given us of God's agenda is the Spirit. And that is God's agenda from then until Jesus comes. God's plan is the outpouring of his Holy Spirit. There's not another plan. There's not another strategy. I wonder what what heaven's going to do next. I get so happy. um, Not really. I get so so cringy when I see people say, come listen to what heaven is going to do next. What's God going to do next? Like Like the outpouring of the Holy Spirit has gotten old. Like, oh, well, that was yesterday's news. The new thing is Wi-Fi. I don't know. Uh, uh, What was occurring was God's promise. What was occurring is the sign that this is it. This is God's plan. This is God's track, his plan, his promise till the end. And what you underlined twice was the words poured out. Would you say it robustly poured out? We have in your notes the outpouring. What this is, this is a fulfillment. This is a, something that's, this is a sign. And this is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. <sighs> I, don't, I, I know occasionally if you, we think, well, you can, do you, can you make too much about a word? But again, when we think of the other words that could have been used, 
In the last days, God says, I will sprinkle a bit of my spirit. I'm not trying to just be silly, but what words were used? What is God describing? In the last days, I will share a bit more of my spirit than I have in the past. In the last days, I will be slightly more generous. I know I'm pushing this too far, and I know that I'm running out of time. But I pray that get, let's, let's get a hold of something that we, he, that we hear here. What is what Peter says that, that God says, in the last days, I will pour out. This word outpouring means echeo, pour out. It means to pour forth, to gush. This is a downpour. This is heaven is holding nothing back of the spirit. This is a downpour. You live in the Northwest. You understand what this means. You have days you go outside and you're wearing your glasses and you think, oh, I think it's sprinkling a little bit. Look at my glasses. I've got a little something. And then you have days that as soon as you do this, your skin's wet. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> Whoa. You come in and you're... <clears throat> right? And well, I got to change because everything's just wet. You're wet to your socks and all you did was get the mail. <laughs> That's a downpour. That's a downpour, and they're sudden, and and they freak out, and they're loud, and and everything. Nothing is safe from the outpouring. God says that's his plan. That's what he's going to do. It's important that we understand that the coming of the Holy Spirit is in response not to our good works, not to what we've earned, not to our resume. He's not a reward for our good behavior. The coming of the Holy Spirit is in response to the power and the precious blood of Jesus Christ, that Jesus has paid for this, and we need if we want to understand just how much God wants to pour out his spirit, we need to remember how great the price Jesus has paid. Oh, the coming of the Holy Spirit is in response to the perfect cleansing work of Jesus. He has canceled sin's power. He has removed the barrier. (laughs) And like Genesis, the, the firmament has been broken and the water from the heavens will flood the earth. This is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it is on all mankind. This outpouring is on all mankind, all flesh, no exclusions. The outpouring we read is that uh, this outpouring would be for everyone. For everyone, irrespective of their outward status. Your men, your women, your sons, and your daughters. Everybody. But I want you to notice the significance of what Peter says here. He says, Do not dismiss what you see here. Do not compartmentalize it. Do not say, oh, it's just. Peter warns them not to do that, and we should hear the same warning. Pentecost is the outpouring and the presiding influence of the Holy Spirit on the church. The Holy Spirit, Pentecost is not just for special occasions. It's it's not just for certain people. Pentecost is not an also. It's not an extra. This is what God is doing. Pentecost should, cannot be defined as, oh, that's a denomination. Or that's a style of, 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 that's a personality or a church style. 
no Pentecost, meaning the presiding influence of the Holy Spirit should be the central characteristic of the church of Jesus Christ. This is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We are a people of the Spirit. What does this mean? It means we are a spiritual people. What are the expressions? What are the characteristics of a spiritual people? What does the prophet identify? Pick it up there in verse 17. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will have dreams. And even on my male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. What's the result? What's the expression of the spirit being poured out? It, upon all those the spirit, upon whom the spirit rests, they will prophesy. Who will? Everyone, that's right, everyone who receives the Spirit. There's no exclusion. There's no distinction or favoritism based on gender or age or socioeconomic status. Friends, Pentecostalism should be the leading voice in proving the equality of human beings. Absolutely. If you take a back seat, Pentecost says the Spirit of God falls on all flesh, that there is no gender or race or melanin or socioeconomic status that makes you different or special before God. But the Holy Spirit makes us one. And that means everybody gets to prophesy. What? That meant everybody in the upper room, they were prophesying. That means everybody who received the Spirit, that means you. But here's a quick question. What does it mean to prophesy. Because as soon as you hear that, there'll be, there will be some in the room that'll go, I don't want to don a white robe, grow a beard. That'll be hard for some. <laughs> hard for me. Okay, not doing it. You know, does that mean I need to, you know, what, what does it mean to prophesy? There's, there's a little bit of mystery there, but, but it doesn't need to be mysterious as much. In the immediate context, when Peter says, this is what God's poured out his spirit and everybody who receives the spirit will prophesy. In the immediate context, he's talking about what was happening in the upper room. He literally meant everybody up here that was, that was declaring the wonders of God in a spiritual language, that was prophecy. Yes. They were speaking as the spirit gave them utterance, declaring what was true about God. Yes. But going further, using this Old Testament text, that means we, under, we understand that we're going to define this according to, the, to, to Scripture. How, what did it mean to prophesy? Prophecy throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Prophecy, both Testaments. This doesn't change. It just The only change is who gets to do it. Okay? New Testament, under the Spirit, who gets to? What does it mean to prophesy? To prophesy means to, essentially, it means to be a covenant caller. Prophets are covenant callers. To prophesy is to call people into covenant. What does that mean? It simply means this. Here's the covenant. Here's you. And and when you, having said that, you urge people to respond accordingly. That's what it means. Now, if you, if you, and it it really begins from Deuteronomy. Moses says, I have set before you. Life or death. I have set before you the covenant. You choose. You choose this. If you go that way, there's the consequences. You go this way, blessing. Okay, it begins in Deuteronomy. And from that point, if you you use that template and read the rest of the Old Testament, you read all all of them, all the prophets, all what they do. Primarily what they do is say, here's the covenant. Here's you. 
And sometimes it's very encouraging. Here's the covenant. Be faithful to Yahweh. Remain loyal. God, he'll bless you. Trust him. Follow him. Yes, yes, go, go. Do the right thing. And then other times it's, here's the covenant. You shall have no idols before me. And you're worshiping Baal and Ashtoreth. You should stop that. That's what they do. And that's what they're calling people to covenant. And particularly now, as we see in, in the Old Testament, we see Elijah and Elisha. We see the narratives that they would call people to covenant. And oftentimes that covenant calling would be accompanied by signs and wonders and miracles or uh, a, a special knowledge that they, that they shouldn't be aware of or a, a wisdom with, 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 with regard, wisdom or counsel about the future that God supplied. Pro, the, the covenant calling was accompanied by those expressions. Those expressions were not the point. They were, they were, they served the purpose of urging people toward a trusting response. The same thing happens today. Prophecy may be accompanied by, like the New Testament describes, signs and wonders and miracles and gifts of the Spirit, wisdom and counsel. But the point is always to draw people back to a trusting, obedient response to Jesus. To trust and obey. So if, you know, you might, there, you come and you feel like you have a, a, like a, 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 basically prophecy speaks to this question. What is the heart of Jesus for this person or this circumstance? And how can I communicate it or facilitate it in a way that will encourage, that will build up, that will leave them better than I found them, and hopefully leave them leaning even more into trusting obedience toward Jesus, trusting him. If they're going through a hard time, that's when prophecy comes and and speaks to them and says, trust in the Lord. Maybe it's accompanied by a word of knowledge. Hey, I feel like the Lord is telling me you're struggling with bibbidi-bobbidi-bibbidi-bop, and I feel like you need to know trust in the Lord. That's prophetic. There's a word of knowledge there, but the, the point is not to say, hey, I ain't no cool things. The point is, God knows you, and he knows your name, and you can trust him, and therefore lean into faithful obedience to Jesus. Or you come alongside and you walk by someone, you walk by a young man who's, been, who's crying out to God and you've never met him before and you stop and you turn around and someone says, young man, stand up. God's heard your prayers. God's heard your desire to serve him. God's heard your desire for signs and wonders. You keep seeking him. You keep stretching out your hands. God's got you. And that's happened to me. It's happened to you. It's happened to people because you wonder if God sees me. You wonder if God knows me. And then the spirit of the Lord comes and you say, whoa, something's going on. Or there is a friend you've never met someone walks into your church i'm coming for you someone walks into your church and they come in and they haven't been in church for a hot minute and you've never met them before but they walk into your lobby and you say nice to meet you and then you say hey wait a minute there's a whisper over your shoulder there's a call of god on your life and that person says i've heard that before and he's mad at you for it but here he is whole point is to lead people to urge them back to trusting to trust in the lord to trust and obey to call them to live into covenant and it may include all kinds of things all kinds of things may accompany that raise the dead let's do it but the end result is people following jesus more closely 
Trusting and obeying Jesus. Ooh, Jesus. Pentecostal people are a prophetic people. We are the voice of Jesus to the world and to one another. All right, almost out. <laughs> All right, I'm almost out of time. But oh, we're good. Look, good. only a couple more verses. And Peter continues, and I will, I will display wonders in the sky above. See, we hear wonders and we start to get excited. Ooh, wonders. We had signs. Ooh, exciting. I wonder what kind. Blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. It's us changing the channel. Nope, no, 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 no. Something better on. Blood, and the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. Let me just tell you this really quickly. Here's the deal. Uh, biblically, there is a connection between spiritual and earthly, earthly realities. And particularly in the Old Testament, uh, it was more so. They, their worldview is they didn't, they didn't, uh, there was a, they, they understood there was a relationship and even a parallel between them that, that heavenly realities uh, and earthly realities affect one another. And, and their, even their terminology, talk, when they talked about rulers, both earthly rulers and spiritual powers, they were often referred to in uh, solar terms. Sun, uh, most, uh, idols would have names, but they would, be, they, would be, they would be like the sun would be worshipped or the moon would be worshipped or stars would be worshipped. They would, they would even call uh, worldly, worldly rulers stars or, or refer to, uh, to evil spiritual powers that were active in, in the world as stars and all that kind of thing. And so when you read things like, and the stars will fall from the heavens, I'm, I mean, I'm not an expert because I haven't actually seen that yet, but, but the, the, the history would inform us to understand that what they mean is that, 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 is, that means that, that those spiritual powers in rebellion against God will fall. And so when it says that the sun and the moon, they're not necessarily saying the sun's going to go dark, it's going to blow up, and the moon's going to turn weird. I mean, maybe, but the idea is this, judgment is coming. That's what he's saying. Judgment is coming against evil, against evildoers, against evil rulers, both on earth and in the heavenlies. What does Pentecost mean? Oh, it means the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It means that, you, that we are a prophetic people, that we are the voice of God to move people to the purposes of God on the earth. But it also is a sign, judgment's coming. That God will have the last word on evil. Therefore, it helps us understand why the next verse is even more important. Judgment is coming. If you feel the weight of that, you should. Pentecostals are aware that judgment is coming. Because of that, verse 21, and it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what? From what we just read. (laughs) Yeah, Paul says hellfire and brimstone, all the bad stuff, saved. You're saved because there's something to be saved from, friends. Don't, don't apologize for it. There's something to be saved from. But here's the deal. Here's what we know. Only Jesus Christ can save from the judgment ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Peter will say it later. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men, mankind by which we must be saved. 
Pentecostal people are passionately evangelistic because we know Jesus saves and only Jesus saves. So let's wrap this up. If If you've come this morning and you're fixing to get baptized, you might want to start getting ready. If you've, if you've come prepared, if you're still thinking about it, there's still time. <laughs> All right, we're going to have you meet over here to my left in just a moment. But let's wrap this up, just land this plane. What, what does Pentecost mean? It means that we are a spiritual people. Yes. It means that we are a prophetic people. Mm-hmm. It means that we are an eschatological people, meaning we know that this world is winding down, that there is an age to come, that there is both judgment and salvation. Because of all of that, we are an evangelistic people. Pentecost means the Holy Spirit is real. Pentecost means heaven is real. Pentecost means judgment is real. And Pentecost means Jesus really saves. We stand together. Outpouring outpouring there's one thing that we can come away from this it's this friends we don't we shouldn't even think about trying to be less Pentecostal what we and the world needs is for us to be more Will you help me? Will you help me uh, celebrate with those who come for baptism today? Yes. 
Take a moment, will you, and just have a quick seat. Let's, 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 well, first of all, would you welcome those who have come? <laughs> this, this is my friend, George Dowling. Come here, George. I'm talking Step up, step on up. George, on this occasion of your 12th birthday, George, tell us just a, just in a minute, just tell us uh, what brought you here this morning. The Lord has been dealing with me about baptism. Now, you know one born into a Catholic family, I got a little sprinkled, but I was a kid. I didn't know what was going on. Later on, I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know what, man? My heart wasn't right yet. Mm. There was unforgiveness. Mm. There was stuff that I was, you know, baggage that I was carrying. Well, the baggage is gone. So we're going to start clean slate. Yes, right. Baptism, just what the Lord told us to do. So here we are. Here we are. Have confessed Christ as your Lord. Amen. And just from your all, you just confessed just now that you're anticipating these waters of renewal and cleansing so that you can live the rest of your long and fruitful, robust life following Jesus freely. Thank you. Yes. Powerfully. Yes. Fervently. Yes. So I anoint you now with oil in the name of the Lord. And we ask the Holy Spirit would meet you powerfully today in these waters of baptism Thank you. in Christ's name. Pastor Jeremiah. It's my prayer. Now remember, you're going to help me with a confession as George comes up out of that water. You ready? All right, my friend George, upon confession of your faith, I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit!
Coach, we'll get your sandals for you. Somebody get George's sandals for him. to a football coach, the only guy who's ever worn sandals to the baptism. Hey, this is this is our friend Nick Huff. All right. Nick, tell us a little bit. Nick, tell us a minute what brought you here today. Uh, I've, I've had my faith for a long time. Mm. I've never had anybody to push me towards it. I have that person now. Mm. Who's uh, that? That's my fiance Ashley right yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, I was baptized as a kid. I don't remember it, so I'm here to do it uh, my own way and Come on. get it done right. Good, good. All right. Hold that mic. Turn it facing me, my friend. Here's what we do. You've already told us your name, but tell us, tell us your name again, please. My name's Nick. Nick. Yep. Nick, according to the scriptures, Nick, have you repented of your sin? Yes. Nick, do you trust Jesus as your Savior? Yes. And do you pledge to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. All right. Nick. I'm going to anoint you with oil now in the name of the Lord. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to anoint you, to bring you into vital contact. The Spirit of God will come upon your life in new and fresh and powerful ways. That God will do new things that will open up brand new windows of outpouring into your life. And, And may the seal of the Holy Spirit rest upon you in such a way that you live vibrantly and fervently for Jesus all the days of your life. And now may the Spirit of God meet you personally and powerfully and prophetically in these waters of baptism. You ready? You guys ready to help me in a minute? (laughs) Nick, upon the profession of your faith, it's my great privilege to baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. Now in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Bless the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Sunday, so there's tons of food. Please go say hi to somebody and and go represent uh, a Pentecostal life this week.